that's, that's a good thing. I really believe in the power of prayer. God does amazing things, and we have seen him doing amazing things. We're living in an amazing hour, actually. Such a sovereign move of God going on. Uh, back home, we're really seeing what is really a youth revival going on. Uh, people across the board, old and young, are being saved, but we've never seen it as easy to get people saved as we're seeing it right now. It was prophesied several years ago that there would be a... Um, actually, it, it was prophesied that when we saw the floods, we would see revival. And that the reality was we'd had a 10-year terribly severe drought. And uh, then 2011, we saw um, terrible floods. But it was actually just after that that revival really started to break out in such a powerful way. And um, I really believe that there is a sovereign move of God not only happening there, but around the world there is a divine awakening. And people are beginning to wake up. I believe the prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1, that the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, so, you know, the Holy Ghost would give us the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that we'd know the hope of our calling, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and the greatness of the power toward us who believe. People are starting to wake up and recognize who he is so that they can know too who they are and therefore what they have been commissioned and empowered to do in the earth. And so it really is a saint's revival where the people are rising up and they're going out and they're doing the great works that God's laid up in advance for them to do. Hooray. Yay. So church is is never meant to be a spectator sport. It's, uh, it's meant to be living stones coming together, and it's just such a joy. I really appreciate being here, um, and actually I've had the privilege of being in Salton Light Churches for the last two and a half, three weeks. I've been in Basingstoke, and I've been up in Walsall, I've been in Berry. I've just been out in Wales yesterday, and it's delighted my heart to see the hunger that God is stirring in the churches, and to see also the freedom of the Holy Spirit, this the moving of the Spirit in the churches has just blessed my heart. I felt like, oh, I found family. I love it. It's wonderful. And it really is a wonderful thing. And I've also been very blessed by the humility that I've seen of the people, just saying, God, that, that there's a brokenness in a good way in their hearts where they're saying, Lord, instead of being rich and full and having need of nothing, we recognize, God, we're desperately needy. We need you, God. And that, to me, is really exciting because when you're positioned like that, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Hallelujah. I was actually very blessed by that prophetic word this morning from Psalm 8. And um, Was it Psalm 8? Uh, About the little children. And yes, I really do believe God wants to do something very powerful with this generation. But I also believe that he's wanting us to become like little children. That he's wanting us to not be puffed up with our knowledge, but instead to humble ourselves and be determined to do nothing but Christ and him crucified. Because if you come to that place of childlike humility, and and I want to share a little bit on that today, uh, your praises, whoo, will be so powerful and so effective. Hallelujah. Nothing shall be impossible for you. We had some excitement yesterday, even in Wales. Um, uh, I was doing a seminar on the prophetic, and, and a lady, I don't know what happened, must have had some sort of turn, and she was unconscious and completely unresponsive. 
and it, um, it was right at the end of the, the, um, the seminar. And so I left it with Emily Harland, happily, who'd come with me, and she kept praying for people, and I went and prayed for this lady. And to be honest, my first reaction was, she's old, maybe it's her time. <laughs> I've got to tell you, this is the thought that went through my head. And I went to pray for her, and God just gave me compassion and began to pray, and then she just came too. The ambulance was coming, but then she just came too, and she was fine, completely, completely normal again. And I thought, wow, Jesus, nothing's, nothing's impossible for you. And you know, God uses us. He knows our thoughts, but he, he is also wanting to help us to be our ever-present help. We're seeing people in the streets, uh, blind eyes opening, deaf ears opening. We're seeing people one week saved going out in the streets and having words of knowledge and healing the sick. It's a, it's a really exciting time to be alive. We had a young man um, just a few, uh, probably a, a month or so ago now. Uh, he was just in the local pharmacy, part of our um, supernatural school that we run. And uh, a man had a heart attack and died in the pharmacy. And they called the paramedics and the fellow was standing there sort of looking and, and the Lord spoke to him and said, what are you going to do about it? So he went, oh, yeah, okay. And went and got down and at his feet and just grabbed a hold of his legs and just started rebuking death and prophesying life out loud. And the paramedics came and as he was rebuking death and, and prophesying life, this guy had no heartbeat, no breath, nothing. And uh, he started coughing and came back to life. That weekend, the paramedic came to church to testify about what had happened because never in, he was actually a believer and he'd never in his life seen someone pray publicly in a public, in a public place like that and seen something like that. He, he wanted to testify how this guy was, was dead and had uh, come back to life. I thought, yay, Jesus, go God. But this should be normal Christian life. You see, the Bible says these signs shall follow those that believe. And, uh, and belief doesn't have to be something that you have to work hard to attain. It's something that you have to humble yourself and just believe in what the Lord Jesus has done. And we are seeing God just do astounding things, very exciting things. And um, it's wonderful to see new believers being brought into a culture of the supernatural. They're being, they're being brought to Christ as people go out in the streets and have words of knowledge about them. We, I mean, we've got guys that they, pre- they prepare before they go through the drive through of the local uh, hamburger store, store and um, they'll ask for a word of knowledge for the person at the window. You drive through and, and, uh, and just say, hey... Uh, You've broken up with your boyfriend recently, haven't you? And they'll say, did my mom send you? (laughs) And they'll say, no, the Lord's just spoken to me. He wants you to know that he really understands your pain and he really cares about you, but he's got great things for your future. Hey, thanks for the cheeseburger. (laughs) You see, God has created us in his image. We have become new creations in Christ. Hallelujah. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When Jesus Christ was crucified, his body was rent and Jesus, the second Adam, had a bride come out of his split open side. Hallelujah. In that when we as believers put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we become born again, 
new creations in Christ. Hallelujah. Just as Eve was created out of Adam's side, the bride of Christ has come out of Jesus Christ's crucifixion and resurrection. Hallelujah. That's good news. Yay. And so, it is no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. Therefore, as Christ is, so are we in this world, the Bible tells us. And God wants to wake us up. This awakening is all about the the body of Christ waking up to the revelation of who he is so that they can know who they are. Hallelujah. Amen. You're no longer who you thought you were. You're no longer somebody defined by your circumstances, your family, your education, your experience. You are now crucified with Christ when you give your life to him, when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior, when you are baptized with him. You are a new creation. You are as Christ is. You are part of the body of Christ. You have become the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. And therefore, you are fully qualified to do greater works than even Jesus did on the earth. It's an astounding thought. I shared at Transform that he lifts up his countenance upon us. That picture is like a father lifting up his child and going, oh, my son, my son. God actually gets pleasure out of lifting you up and seeing you do greater works than even he did when he walked on the planet because that's the heart of Father God. Hallelujah. And uh, I believe this stirring, I can feel it actually now already in the spirit, this stirring going on in, in your hearts. And I am, I'm just excited and really privileged to be able to be here to help fan this up. Hallelujah. Because uh, God is good. Let's have a look at the Bible. If you've got your Bibles with you, I have no idea what version you're reading out of, but I will read out of the New King James Version today. I do encourage you to look at lots of different versions of the Scripture. Remember, we do read an English translation of another language. So if you're very precious about your particular translation, I've got news for you. It's not original. But it's a good thing to, to really search it out and, uh, and enjoy reading what the Lord's saying. I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Are you happy? Yes. If you're not, God really wants to help you today. He wants to fill you up with joy. Hallelujah. Chapter 1, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Hallelujah. God is a supernatural God. Hallelujah. And he he likes to confound the wisdom of the wise because he doesn't want your faith resting in men's wisdom. You know, knowledge puffs up. If you are seeking just knowledge on its own, uh, uh, then it'll, it'll puff you up. If you ever met one of those Christians that, you know, they've always just got to tell you about this and this and this and this. 
And, it, and there's, a, there's an absence of the, the beautiful, the fragrance of Christ, the humility of Jesus, the, the fruit of the Spirit. Well, God's not wanting us just to know about God, but he wants us to experience him, to really know him, to be intimately acquainted with him. Because it's out of his presence, out of knowing him, that, that we understand truly what our identity is. We understand the life of Christ. And it's out of that place of, of being connected with him. In him we live and move and have our being. That's where fruitfulness flows from. So instead of having a Greek mindset, as so many Westerners do, where we are just seeking knowledge, God wants us to have the knowledge of him by revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I want to know the one with the holes in his hands. You know, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal Jesus to us in ever-increasing ways, every day. If you will become one that will just give yourself to seeking after the face of God, God will come in like a flood and you will be filled to overflowing. I'm so blessed that Steve prayed that because actually it comes from my favorite apostolic prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. 14 to 21, that you may know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that the Spirit of God will give you strength to be able to comprehend this love that's just too glorious to, to humanly understand. It has to be tangibly experienced, and you need the Holy Ghost to be able to comprehend it. Hallelujah. That means it doesn't matter whether you think you're very intelligent or not. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives this wisdom. Hallelujah. That gives this knowledge. Praise the Lord. And he not only just wants to give it to you so you got it and you can go and move on. He wants to keep you in a place where you recognize, I need to be connected to God who is love like I need, like an intravenous drip. I need him more than I need air, more than I need food more than I need sleep. And I tell you, I know I like sleep and I like food. But God wants to fill us to overflowing. Hallelujah. I travel on a lot of airplanes and they, um, no matter what airline you're on, they always tell you, if you see the oxygen masks fall from above you, put it on yourself first and then help the others beside you. You know, that normally originally would trouble a mother because normally mother's first reaction is to take care of their kids. They'd give their lives for their kids. But unless you put the oxygen mask on yourself first, you've got nothing to, to be able to help them with. You'll pretty, probably be unconscious and, and you'll both die. But God, in the same way, wants you to recognize that before you do anything, you need the knowledge of him. You need to be filled up with his love. And that doesn't have to be a 50-year process. You can take 10 minutes to have a deep drink of God's love for you and, you and you connect to that and it will permanently fill you and overflow you if you will determine to, to make this your goal. Like David said, hallelujah, in, in Psalm 27, one thing have I desired, this shall I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on his beauty. You see, those who know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. Hallelujah. He hasn't created a, a church that, that just gets mental knowledge and then disseminates mental knowledge to, to people that we might 
have a whole lot of people who have a whole lot of knowledge. But God wants people who are demonstrating the, that the relationship that they, the earth is destined to have with him, that, who are demonstrating what it looks like to have revelation and, and relationship with the Holy Spirit by the revelation on the manifestation of God in demonstrations of the Spirit's power. Hallelujah with signs and wonders and miracles. If you think you're too sophisticated to embrace signs and wonders and miracles, you're following the wrong God. Because he is a God of the supernatural. Right from the beginning. When Jesus' birth was announced, it was announced with angels. It was supernatural. Signs in the heavens. Everywhere he went, he, he, he was healing the sick and telling the kingdom of God has come upon you. Then when he told his followers and he sent out the 70, heal the sick, tell them that the kingdom of God has come upon them. Right. This is who our God is. Yeah. And it's not, to, it's not to condemn us and say you need to try harder and you need to be doing this. God wants you to lift up your head and help you. You know, I have a favorite little psalm. Psalm 131, you can have a look there if you like. I, um, it's very little, but it's a beautiful thing. And I'll just give you my little, my little version. Basically, it says, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty. Neither will I worry myself with weighty matters or things that I cannot comprehend. But rather, I'm going to lean my head on your chest. Like a weaned child, I will rest on your lap and say, Hope in God, Israel. That's it. That's the whole psalm. But you see, it's that position that God wants us to adopt. Hallelujah. Oh, there it is. Look at that. Very good. He wants us not to be troubling ourselves, working out why God why, when God when, how God how. You see, a lot of doctrine has been built on our lack of experience. We've attempted to explain why things haven't happened. Yet the Bible says that the wise man built his house upon the rock. The rock is the Lord Jesus Christ. If it cannot be found in the life of Christ, then what are we doing building on it? I learned that song when I was in Sunday school. The wise man built his house upon the rock. I'm very old, obviously. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the rock stood firm. Hallelujah. And you can sing about the house that was built on the sand and it went splat. (laughs) And that little children's song is, is a scripture that the Lord says we must build our lives on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so rather than trying to work out Why didn't this person get healed? And then building a doctrine around the possible explanations that we can find, we've got to look at the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Never once did someone come to Jesus 
and, and, and ask for help, to have him say, no, actually, it's better if you stay sick. You're going to give me more glory if you just suffer for a few months longer. However, we have churches that teach those very doctrines because it seems like it would be compassionate and helpful because we have ourselves been feeling so powerless that we've felt that we've had to create, construct something that's less than what we really know to be the, the pure truth of the gospel. Yet God, in his love for us, is saying, hey, come and just lean on my breast. Stop troubling yourself with weighty matters and things that you don't understand. Rather, just become like a little child and choose to believe. Do you remember when um, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, well, here's a blind man wanting to be healed. Who sinned that he's blind, being born blind? Was it because of his father and mother? Was it because of this? And I love Jesus' response. He says, it's not because anybody sinned, but because I want to see God glorified, because I'm going to glorify myself. In other words, instead of answering the questions of why has this bad thing happened... Jesus presents himself as the answer. Jesus Christ always presents himself as the answer. He says he is our ever-present help in time of need. Every time someone was brought to him, it says that all that came to him, he healed. might not be very comfortable when we're trying to explain perhaps why we haven't seen things happen. And yet this is the Bible that we follow. This is the Jesus that we follow. You see, and if you will choose, instead of fussing and worrying, why, I don't understand, trying to get your head around it, God says, stop troubling yourself with weighty matters and look at me and say, God, my hope is in you. Lord, we will trust in you. Lord, we choose to believe. Though we don't understand, God, I choose to believe that you are always the answer. That it is your will, Lord God, to bring life and life more abundant. It's your will to heal the sick. Hallelujah. I had arguments with God about this years ago. I thought it would just be easier for me if I could just do the prophetic thing because I felt like, you know, God, I thank you, Lord, for that anointing, for that gift. I don't really want to go to the healing thing, God, because, you know, I don't want to preach that you heal the sick and then have to see somebody not get healed and then have them feel disappointed. It seemed rational to me just to stay away from that area because it seemed safer. However... When we start declaring ourselves wiser than God, we're in dangerous, dangerous ground. And I I, I made this sort of call with God while I I was in grief over someone I'd prayed for for cancer that had died when I was 30. I'd prayed for two friends that year and they both died. And I just thought, yeah, I'm just not going to go there anymore. And I had an encounter with God in worship one night, just very soon after the second person had died. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, Catherine, you must believe. You know, since that time, we've had more people healed of cancer than I can actually recall. Terminal illness here. We've we've got doctor's reports of tumors that have disappeared, of 
uh, diabetes healed. We had one woman healed of diabetes, and, and I always encourage people to go back to their doctor and get a report. My dad's a doctor, so we love doctors. But encourage them to go back. This woman went back to the doctor. She had a test, and then the, um, the results were clear, but the doctor said, I can't give you a doctor's report. You know, this is a serious disease, and you might just be having, you know, a clear test now. And she said, well, what will it take to get a report? He said, well, 12 months of clear tests. She said, right, you're on. Went back for 12 months and sent me the doctor's report. You see, nothing's impossible for God. I've seen God do amazing things. He he is a, a wonderful Jesus. I've seen people with stage four cancer completely healed. God's done miracles. I've seen... A, a woman who had a six-inch uh, tumor wrapped around her pancreas, a primary cancer. I mean, she came forward, she was a little Baptist lady, and said, um, I don't fall down. <laughs> and then she said, and I don't speak in tongues, but I've got a tumor, can you please pray? And I got excited, because um, Ian McCormack, I don't know if you know of Ian, he, um, he was stung by a box jellyfish and died, had an encounter with God. Raised from the dead was wonderful. Um, Well, he'd actually prophesied the day before that I'd see tumors disappear. And I was like, yes, you got a tumor. I got a word. This is brilliant. You actually have a word too. It's in Mark. It says, these signs shall follow those who believe. Hallelujah. And so she came forward for prayer. And I I prayed for her and she fell down. (laughs) It doesn't always happen. I mean, some people just have weak wiring. And... uh, and I do. When, when the Holy Ghost comes on me, I, you know, I shake and flop and all sorts of stuff happens. The Holy Ghost touches my husband. All you might know about it, even if he's having the most incredible encounter with God, all you'll know about it is a little tear trickle down his face, maybe. Because God made him that way. God made me a responsive person. <laughs> and I think I've just got weak wiring. But anyway, she fell down on the ground. And while she was there, she said she felt the hand of God go into her belly four times. I came back six weeks later, and she had been through a barrage of tests. I didn't realize that she, the tumor was so um, aggressive and um, was inoperable. She also had uh, cirrhosis of the liver. Well, she'd been back to the doctor, and they'd found that she no longer had any trace of a tumor or any trace of cancer, and she had a brand new liver. I thought, yay, Jesus! But you see, God, God is so good. He's so faithful. And he'll use you in your weakness if you will believe that, that my weakness has nothing to do with it because it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. I remember being in Georgia um, in the U.S. and uh, praying for some people and the, fir- the first word of knowledge I had was about a woman that had an eardrum cut out because of cancer. I'd had the word of knowledge that there was someone deaf in the room. And I went to, to um, just say, Who, if you've got deafness, can you please come and I'll pray for you. First, first lot of people I was praying for. And um, she ca- this woman came forward and had no ear and no eardrum. And I panicked. I went, ah, God, you know, I was really trying to build faith. And I didn't have much faith at all. I thought like, oh God, maybe you could grow an eardrum back overnight. 
And as I said, sometimes when the power of God comes upon me, my hand will start to tremble. So I, I went to go and put my right hand on her ear. And the, well, the ear, whatever, the hole in her head. And, and the Lord said, put your left hand on her. I said, oh, God. Oh. And I prayed my best prayer. <laughs> and the Lord said, ask her if she can hear. I said, oh, can you hear me? And she says, yes! And I went, really? (laughs) And after that, miracles just broke out everywhere. And I went home that night, but I was a bit bit concerned because I knew I had another meeting the next night. And I thought, oh, God, I hope you do it again. But as I, and I'm going to just close with this before I pray for people. As I walked up the stairs, I left my computer playing on shuffle. And I heard Catherine Coleman speaking from one of her little heart-to-heart talks. And she was saying, every time I walk out onto the platform, I die a thousand deaths knowing that there are people in the room, that for them this is their last hope. But then she went on to encourage herself by saying, but I encourage myself remembering that everything Jesus did on the earth He did as a man utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit never let him down. And then as I walked into my room, she says, and the Holy Spirit will never let you down. (laughs) The next night, another man with a deaf ear had his ear opened. The next night, another deaf ear opened, as if God was just trying to prove a point. But you know, God's not looking for golden vessels. He's not looking for silver vessels. He's not looking for how clever you are or what ladder you can climb. He's looking for those who will humble themselves like little children and just believe. We're seeing heroin addicts, when they get baptized, go under the water. Uh, People on crack go under the water and get up delivered and set free. The next day, often going out and praying and releasing healing on people. Nobody's told them that, you know, you you have to be a Christian for a long time before you go praying for people. Because, you see, it's not about the human reasoning or the appearance of men's wisdom. It's about those that will humble themselves and just rest on God's lap and say, Lord, I believe. Father, thank you for your grace, Lord. I want to share some videos tonight and, uh, and share some more as the Holy Spirit leads and pray for people. But I want to pray, Lord, that you would just stir the hearts of these ones here. God, I thank you, Lord, that your desire is that they would become so connected with you. Lord, that their faith would be activated and work by the love that they receive from you as they come into fellowship with you. Lord, I thank you that faith works by love. God, fill us up until we overflow. Lord, give us dove's eyes, Lord God, that are fixated on seeking your face, that we might know you, you, the one with holes in your hands, that we might be determined to know you, God. Lord, help us to take captive every thought that would exalt itself against that knowledge, God. Anything outside of the knowledge of Christ, God, help us to take it captive and cast it down and to be determined to fix our thoughts, our hope, our minds on Christ 
and him crucified. The rock on which we build our lives, the anchor of our hope and the desire of the nations. God, I'm asking for a Holy Spirit awakening in this place. God, I'm asking that you would come by your spirit. You would enlighten the eyes of our understanding in the knowledge of you. God, we need you. God, we need you. Father, I'm asking that you would pour out your spirit without measure on these ones. God, these ones who cry out with hunger and thirst. God, they recognize their need. God, and you said those that hunger shall be filled. God, I thank you for the hunger. Stir it in this place. Stir it in these hearts, God, that they would reach out to you, that you would come and baptize them with fire, God. Lord, that you'd fill them, God, with such a passion to seek your faith. Lord, I declare today you are igniting passion. Father, that you'd ignite it in the hearts of these ones here, God. Father, I declare that you've called them, Lord. You have called and anointed them, God, to go out into all the world, to preach the gospel, not with the, the persuasive words of our wisdom, God, but with demonstration of your Spirit's power. Spirit of God, I thank you for your anointing. Lord, I thank you for your power. God, in Jesus' name, we declare you are God. You are good, Lord. We worship you. We bless you. Hallelujah.